We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today's show, the topic is a grab bag of various different stories. First, I'm going to respond to those who are offended that I suggested that we are all sinners in the hands of an angry God. How dare you, they say. You may be a sinner, but I'm not. I'll also respond to Donald Trump Jr.'s recent call to back off on the trans community because they give more money to Republicans than Democrats. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. As I said in the introduction, I'm just going to skip across the daily news today, cover a variety of different things. One of the things I will talk about is the response to my podcasts, my radio shows, and my article where I quoted Carl Menninger, the 1970s eminent psychologist, psychiatrist, medical doctor, who suggested that sin is an important concept if people are going to live together civilly, and that the loss of the very idea of sin has corrupted our culture and has betrayed the fact that we no longer have a moral barometer. We no longer have a true north, a compass that guides us on how to get along as people and how to get along with God. I'll I'll respond to a couple critics who have really taken me to task. One of them said, how dare you suggest that I'm a sinner? She went on to say, you may want to admit it publicly, but how dare you accuse me or others of having sin in our lives? How would you respond to that? Is there a logical, historical uh, response? Can you use the quadrilateral? Can you respond to that without going to the Bible? But frankly, I don't think there's anything wrong with going to the Bible because it's the oldest source of information we have on these types of issues. I mean, the Bible has been around, folks, for, if you want to go back to the Old Testament, some three to 4,000 years. If you want to just refer to the New Testament, obviously it's around 2,000 years We have ideas in the Bible, we have information in the Bible that has endured the test of time, more so than anything else. It's been proven over and over and over again to be right, to be accurate, to be a spot-on depiction of the human condition, quite frankly. That's one of the ways you should read the Bible, because it describes you, it describes me, it describes culture, it describes our country and other countries, other civilizations, very, very accurately. And he who doesn't learn the lessons of history is doomed to repeat them. So if the Bible has some lessons that have been taught to us throughout the course of history, we might want to attend to them. And if it has a lesson for us that describes who we are individually and corporately, who we are in the privacy of our own hearts, as well as who we are as a community, as a culture, as a nation, maybe we should be listening to this. Because if other nations have gone down this same path and suffered the consequences therein, why would we think that we're going to to avoid the same? It's crazy talk to, to assume 
that we can just, for example, reinvent socialism, communism, and we won't suffer the same fate as those who have tried these ideas before us. Odds are we're going to suffer the same fate as those that were subjected to the Cultural Revolution in Mao's China, to the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia, to the other sexual revolutions that have plagued humanity, for example, the Roman Empire. Others have tried this stuff, and it didn't end very well for them. Should we attend to that? And as we attend to those things, should we be looking at the condition of the human heart that keeps leading us back to these broken ideas time and again? So I'll talk about that. I'll respond to some of these comments with regard to my contention that sin is endemic. We all have it. I believe the Bible when it says all have sinned. There's none righteous, no, not one. If you claim to be without sin, you make God out to be a liar. The truth is not in you. I believe those verses, but I can prove it without referring to the Bible. I can prove it by just looking in the mirror. I can prove it by just looking out the window. As G.K. Chesterton said, and I'm paraphrasing this, the most provable part, empirically obvious part, of all of Christian theology is original sin. And then I want to respond to this Donald Trump Jr. call to back off of Budweiser and the trans activists. We need to back off. Why? Well, because they give more money to the GOP than they do the Democrats. That's what Donald Trump Jr. is saying. And Steve Deese has a response that you need to hear. Let's take a break, and when I get back, we'll talk about these stories and maybe more. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one-year maintenance, and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the Rebellion. So let's deal with this response to the concept of sin first. As you know, if you've listened to the show the last couple days, I've covered the issue of sin. I did so within the context of responding to uh, William Wolfe's post, where he said that we are suffering a massive sociological contagion of our own making, that the LGBTQIA issue is a, a contagion that we have brought upon ourselves 
by subjecting our children to this indoctrination. And as the result, they're identifying as LGBTQIA in huge numbers. Millennials have doubled in the last two to three years. They've gone from about 6% identifying as LGBTQIA to about 12%, just in a couple years. And Gen Zers are now identifying as gay, lesbian, and trans at uh, the rate of nearly 20%. That should stun you. And you should ask yourself the question, what about the next generation that's being so exposed to this nonsense on a daily basis right now in social media, in their schools, in their colleges? Do you think they're going to fare better than Gen Zers? The argument could logically be made that their numbers will even be greater than Gen Z. So millennials, 12%, they've doubled in the last couple of years, gone from 6 to 12. And Gen Zers, they're now at 20%. So William Wolfe covered that and said, we're a nation in moral freefall. And he said that this LGBTQIA identification trend is the result of indoctrination. And it's a social contagion that we've brought upon ourselves. And I said, I agree. I applaud that. Standing ovation for William Wolfe for saying it. And without intending to criticize him, I've added to that commentary and say, why don't we just call it what it is, sin? And then I quoted Carl Menninger, as you know, who wrote the seminal work in 1973 titled Whatever Became of Sin. I won't belabor Menninger's comments. You can go back to yesterday's show if you want to hear that again. Just go to my website, dreverpiper.com, D-R-E-V-E-R-E-T-T-P-I-P-E-R.com, and you can access that episode as well as any others that preceded it. So I won't belabor that on this show. But one of the interesting things that that I get when I uh, do the shows and when I write articles for the Washington Times is I get responses. And one of the things I said in my article in the Washington Times was, we're not good people. None of us are good people. We're all guilty of sin. You are, and so am I. In fact, this is my direct quote in my closing paragraph of my column in the Washington Times this past weekend. I said, you are not a good person. You are not good people. Nor am I. We're all broken. We're all sinful. Well, the response from one of my readers was, you are not good people. You're not a good person. How dare you? You have no right to say that. Maybe you're not a good man, and you wish to attest to that in public. But don't slur other people. You have no idea and no right to say it. Did you hear that? This response to a Washington Times piece, which was exactly what I've shared with you on this show, was, you're not good people. That's a quotation. Okay, that's mine. I said that. So she puts it in those terms. You're not a good person. You're not good people. How dare you? You, you have no right to say that. Maybe you're not a good man, and you want to attest to that publicly. But don't slur other people. You have no idea. You have no right to say it. Now, how do you respond to that? What do you think of that contention? That I have no right to say that other people are sinners. That all have sinned and fallen short. That there's none righteous, no, not one. And that if we claim, anybody claims, you, me, anybody else claims to be without sin, we make God out to be a liar and the truth is not in us. 
Obviously, those are Bible verses. Well, you show me one perfect person. That's my response to this particular individual. I want to see the perfect person. Uh, are you raising your hand to suggest that you're perfect, that you're without error, that you've never done anything wrong? Really, are you going to make that claim? Have you never lied? Have you never been selfish? Do you have no greed? Have you ever looked at someone with lust in your heart? Have you ever glanced at an advertisement or a post that you shouldn't have? Have you, have you ever treated other people poorly for your own selfish gain? Have you ever used someone else for your own purposes? Have you ever deceived someone? Oh, you may not call it a lie, but you deceived them. You told a half-truth because you didn't want them to find out the whole truth. Have you ever been cruel to animals as, as well as people? Have you ever been jealous of someone else for their successes and you wished you had theirs? You coveted their successes. Have you ever taken joy in the fact that somebody else has failed because you didn't like them and they deserved it? Have you ever looked at somebody else with racist views? They're white. I don't like white people. They're black. Well, blacks all behave that way. Have you ever done that? Have you ever put other human beings in a given category? Have you ever defined yourself by your desires? Well, I desire to do this, therefore that's who I am. Have you ever took pleasure in somebody else's pain? Well, they deserved it after all, right? I mean, I could go on and on. The list is 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 endless, quite frankly, isn't it? And if you answered no, you've never done any of those things, then I think I just proved that you're a sinner because you're also a liar. Because everyone listening right now has committed at least one, if not all, of those mistakes. Now, that's a euphemism. That's what we call them today, mistakes. We call them errors. We call them misjudgments. We, we put other labels on these particular activities, these thoughts, these behaviors that are simply wrong. And I think that's the point. That was the point of my article, and that was the point of adding to what William Wolfe posted. And that is, yeah, it's a social contagion. It's a disease. We brought it upon ourselves. But it's not just a social contagion. It's not just a cultural pathology. Yeah, it's both of those things, but it's something else. It's sin. It's sin. It's a violation of God's order. It's a, it's a breach of common sense, sense that's common. It's breaking down the wall of natural law that, that gives us the freedom, protects us from the consequences of debauchery and chaos. That's the, that's the reason natural law exists in the first place, to hold everything together. So in my article when I, where I say and I'm quoting right now, we are not good people. You are not, nor am I. We are all guilty. Our transgressions are not mere oopsies. Jonathan Edwards once made this abundantly clear when he said, we are all sinners in the hands of an angry God. And then I went on and I said, or more to the point from the apostles Paul and John, there are none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short. If you claim to be without sin, you make God out to be a liar, and the truth is not in you. 
And then finally, the wages of sin is death. I, I said that, and I'll stand by that. And I'll go back to G.K. Chesterton, who, who said, the most provable part of all of Christian theology, in fact, he exaggerated his point, he said the only provable part of all of Christian theology is original sin. What was his point? Pick up the newspaper, listen to the radio, turn on the TV, look at your iPhone, your smartphone, your laptop, look out the window, look in the mirror. That was Chesterton's point. When you do these things, you'll see broken behavior, wrong behavior, hateful behavior, lustful behavior, greedy behavior, selfish behavior, vindictive behavior, racist behavior. You'll see all of this stuff when you just attend to the daily news. And you'll also see it, if you're honest, when you look at yourself, when you investigate and open up your heart. But thanks be to God, I said, there is a solution. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And then I quoted the words of John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. John Newton was saying he was a wretch. Now, he was one of the most godly men of all, in all of England at the time. But he was saying, I'm the wretch. I'm the wretch. I'm the sinner. And it's God's amazing grace that has allowed me, allowed me to come closer to the kingdom, to be saved, to be born again, to become a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old is gone, the new has come. In your baptism, you die. But in Christ, you're risen again. You go into the water dead, symbolizing death. You come up out of the water, risen again with Christ. And what's the point? That you're a sinner, and that's the only way to be redeemed. But yet I've got a reader who says, how dare you? How dare you suggest that I'm not a good person? But unfortunately, this reader doesn't recognize that the very reaction to the article betrays the fact that she is a sinner because her reaction is sinful. Can't you see that? That's the problem with the progressive mind, the progressive agenda. Every reaction against righteousness, against the purity of the Bible, against a biblical worldview, every reaction proves that worldview to be true and accurate in the first place. I say that there's none righteous, no, not one. You're not a good person, nor am I. She reacts by doing what? Demonstrating that she's not a good person. She's vindictive. She's angry. She's self-righteous. She doesn't recognize that her very reaction proves the point. It's what G.K. Chesterton was saying. You just proved the biblical worldview true. By your very response, your resistance to the biblical worldview proves that that worldview is accurate because you're angry. You're self-righteous in the way you're responding. And there's a word for that. It's called sin. This is true with every progressive response. They, they accuse you of being self-righteous, but yet in their accusation, they elevate themselves as being right. So they saw off the branch upon which they sit. They condemn Republicans, conservatives, for all be, always being right 
not realizing that they're claiming to be right and condemning others for being right. They say that conservatives are judgmental, not recognizing that they're judging conservatives for being judgmental. They're angry about others not being tolerant, and they demonstrate that they can't tolerate those other folks, conservatives, Republicans, Christians, for their intolerance. So they join the ranks of those they accuse. Does that make sense? It it goes on. They say they know nothing can be known. You've heard me rattle through these fallacies, these hypocritical claims. I've done it a dozen times or more. To say you know nothing can be known puts you in the category of the knower. And if you are in the category of the knower, then something can be known. So you can't claim nothing can be. Does that make sense? And, and their reaction against the idea that all are sinners is a sinful reaction because it's self-righteous, it's smug, it lacks humility, it's prideful, it's defensive, it's angry, it's vindictive. The, the tone of this person's response, how dare you? Do you not see that that sentence in and of itself, just stop there, when you say, how dare you? That is a sinful response. It's angry. It's self-righteous. No one has the right to judge me. You don't have the right to suggest that I'm not a good person. I am good. (laughs) Oh, please, please just stop. Have a little humility, just a spoonful of humility. Set aside the pride. Like C.S. Lewis said, pride is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is the sin that leads to all other sins. And this person's response when she says, how dare you, is a prideful response. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. It is the sin that leads to all other sins. She doesn't recognize it. She's claiming to be without sin while she commits the utmost sin. It leads to all other sins. It's the complete anti-God state of mind. It's a refusal to accept God's definition. How dare you? She's not saying how dare you to me necessarily as much as she thinks she is. She's saying how dare you to the scriptures, to the Bible, to God, to common sense, to natural law, to sense that's common, to the empirical evidence that we all see in the streets. Look at the riots in Chicago and tell me that human beings aren't sinful. Look at the attitudes and the behaviors in Washington, D.C. and tell me that human beings aren't sinful. Look at the debauchery that's being taught in our public schools and the brainwashing, the propagandizing of our children, our youngest, where we're confusing them to the point where they don't even know whether they're boys or girls any longer. Tell me that's not sinful. Oh, if you want to get into other sins, look at greed and covetousness. Oh, yeah, conservatives can be greedy. They can covet things too, and that is sin, my my friend. To claim that we are without sin makes God out to be a liar, and the truth is not in us. How dare I? Well, I'm just looking at the evidence. I'm being pro-science. I'm not denying the facts before my very eyes. If, if these people want to argue for facts, for science, for empirical evidence, if they want to argue that we should stop being superstitious and we should actually consider 
consider the reality around us and live within that reality, then they should stop denying the obvious. They should stop denying that men are men and women are women. They should stop denying the innocence of children. They should stop denying the historical facts of broken economic worldviews, such as communism and socialism. They should stop denying the evidence of climate cooling rather than climate warming. They should stop denying the lessons of history. If you want to be pro-science, then go all in. And one of the things you can't deny if you're pro-science, if you're an empiricist, is sin. The brokenness of everybody you see in the streets. And to claim that somehow you're not among those. That you can sit back smugly and look out the window and accuse everyone else of being wrong. Accuse all of those Christians in particular for being wrong. And say, how dare you? To, to, to do that is to live in a fairy tale. Make believe land of your own construction. Sin is real, folks. It's the most provable aspect of your existence and mine. It's the most provable, perhaps the only provable, to exaggerate the point like G.K. Chesterton, part of Christian theology. Okay, let's cover one last story here in the last five minutes of the show. Actually, I only have about four, so I'm going to do this quickly. This is from Steve Deese. If you don't follow him, you should. He's very solid. This is a post that he just did on Twitter. I believe yesterday, maybe the day before. Listen to this very carefully and consider this as you consider your politics right now. Here's the tweet. The RNC, the Republican National Committee, run by Trump's pick, Rona Romney McDaniel and Don Jr., are urging backing off of Budweiser. Just as you're about to bring them to their knees, this is par for the course for decades now in this wretched party. The GOP is a living stone testimony to you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become a villain. This is why I tend to support new, fresh faces within the party. There is something about this poison party that poisons you the minute you get control of it. The fear of lost funding, access, etc. warps the mind and you lose your principles. Or you never had any in the first place. And the spotlight just reveals that. You start off being about the people and you end up making the people about you. Close quote. This is the post from Steve Deese. Now what's he referring to? Donald Trump Jr. and Rona Romney McDaniel, the Republican establishment, those that are going to support and are pushing, Donald Trump Jr. obviously supports Donald Trump for the presidency. They're going international right now, telling us to back off of Budweiser concerning our protests about Dylan Mulvaney and featuring him on their cans, their Bud Light cans. The Daily Mail covers it this way. Donald Trump Trump Jr., excuse me, Donald Trump Jr. demands end to Bud Light boycott over partnerships with trans influencers and praises them for donating more to the GOP than to the Dems. 
Here's what Donald Trump Jr. says. I'm leaving them alone, and I think you should probably do the same. Folks, this is a big problem. If you're a pro-Trumper, you cannot be pro-Trump, Donald Trump, blindly so. I've told you before of my experience with him on this very issue. He doesn't understand it. He has no moral qualms with LGBTQIA. His son, Donald Trump Jr., who is Donald Trump's mouthpiece, there's nothing Donald Trump Jr. says that Donald Trump hasn't endorsed or told him to do, or at least given him permission to do. His son is telling you to back off of Bud Light, back off of Anheuser-Busch, right at the time when you've made your point most clear. You've succeeded. You've brought a major corporation to its knees because they pushed it too far. They've ignored you. They've maligned you. They've mocked you. They've black-faced women. They've bought the lie, and they're trying to push this social engineering on you and on your children. They're trying to change the heartland of America. Right at the time where people rose up and said, enough's enough, we're not going to tolerate this anymore, stop it. You're winning, and Donald Trump Jr. takes to the airways and tells you to stop, back off. Why? Because they give money to the GOP. Really. That's Judas got 30 pieces of silver for selling out his savior and selling his soul. Don't do the same. Recognize, as Steve D says, that there are fresh faces out there that at least at this point in time have not sold their soul to this wretched agenda, this debauchery, this social contagion that is contaminating the hearts, minds, and souls of the next generation, our progeny. Recognize that sin is real, and you need to stop ignoring it, and you need to stop voting for it. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.